A couple of things you should know before we get into today's gospel reading. First, it has not been long at all, eight verses if we can keep time that way, since the disciples were frustrated by their inability to cast out a demon. They were unable to perform a task that Jesus had commissioned them to do, which left them reeling, perhaps embarrassed, probably unclear as to what went wrong. Second, it's as likely as not that Jesus still had this child among them during today's teaching. In fact, let's drop back a bit and pick up those verses. Mark 9, 36. Jesus took a little child and put it among them. And taking this child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Because that's what you say when your teacher is talking about welcoming in a child. What? Jesus is talking about welcoming someone, and John's attention is back on those demons. What he couldn't do, what another could do. It's as if John could not focus on what Jesus is talking about, because he is still irked about something he could not do. You know those times when you have a thought on your mind or a question on your mind, and it just keeps taking up space. You, you cannot think about anything else until you get a chance to say that thought or ask that question. I think that's where John was. John couldn't let go of the disciples' frustrating experience with the demon. And now to add insult to injury, someone who's not part of their inner circle, someone who's probably not even part of their outer circle, has gone and done the thing that they could not do, cast out this demon in Jesus' name. John's mind was stuck there. We have funerals here from time to time that include people from other denominations. People I don't know, people Reverend Cattenhead doesn't know. We can't always predict what they'll do with their parts of the service, and so we're always a little wary about who is welcomed into this pulpit because their slant on theology may be uh, different than that of the United Methodist Church and of this church. We're concerned that those listening might get confused about what we as a church and we as a denomination profess. If someone else is standing here, presumably sanctioned by us, it gives us pause. Having experienced that, I kind of get where John might have been coming from. It's not bad enough that someone, if it's not bad enough, that someone else is doing that thing that he could not do, cast out demons in Jesus' name. It's someone that had not even been vetted by Team Jesus Clearinghouse. I'm sure that when John reported this to Jesus, he just knew that Jesus would say, What? Who is this person? Take me to him now. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us 
is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose a reward. That Jesus, he can find good even in an unvetted deed doer. It's interesting to me that Jesus picks up on this idea that the deed doer won't soon be able to speak evil of him. When I was in divinity school, there was a mission team that was sent out from the chapel at Duke to Honduras, and I was able to be part of it. Since it was through the chapel, most of us were fairly into Jesus, but there were a few who were not. They were doing it because they wanted to do some good. They were doing it because they were interested in going to another country. They were doing it for other reasons. Thankfully, their reasons and our reasons never came into conflict. No one ever resisted the idea that this was an overtly Christian mission trip. In fact, a few of those along for the ride expressed their growing appreciation for the Christian faith and its practitioners. Having been part of a group that was doing good in Jesus' name and trying to live in Jesus' spirit, some of their skepticism about Christianity began to be replaced with admiration. I feel confident that no one who went on that trip soon afterwards spoke evil of Jesus. When you've been allowed in, not pushed away, given the opportunity to contribute what you have to offer, even if it is from a different place than those around you, it establishes an affinity that otherwise may not be possible. And things can start to happen. Sometimes before faith begins, discipleship does. Sometimes it's the acting in Jesus' name that helps introduce people to using Jesus' name, speaking Jesus' name, calling Jesus' name. I don't know if John got that message that day, but Jesus, having responded to his concern about someone doing good without their permission, tried to redirect John. Maybe he pointed to the child among them when he said, If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it will be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. I don't know if Jesus pointed to that child among them when he said this, or if he pointed off to that man who was doing good in their name. It could have been both. A literal child, a, a child in the faith. What he made clear is that if Jesus' disciples are putting hurdles between others and Jesus, that's not good. A millstone is big, heavy, cumbersome. You cannot swim with a millstone around your neck. You don't ever want a millstone around your neck, but certainly not when you're near water. What you want is to never harm a child. What you want is to never act in such a way as someone who is getting curious about Jesus or someone who is willing to do a little good in Jesus' name is turned away from Jesus because of what you say or what you do. Fortunately, 
my friend and I were already fairly mature in our Christian faith when we were asked by the college chaplain to go and and host this singer who was coming to campus. We were excited. He was a fairly minor celebrity in these parts. We had sung his songs in our youth groups, respectively. We looked forward to meeting him and to helping him. And so we stood by the curb and waited for him to come. And he arrived, and we were ready to carry his things into the place where he'd be playing. And, and I won't say he was the most friendly person. I won't say he was a friendly person when we greeted him that day. Or appreciative. Or interested in us at all. He seemed to be more impressed by himself than anyone else around him. He seemed to be more into being served than to serving, despite the lyrics of his songs. I did not buy any of his tapes that night. (laughs) Thankfully, I've been around him since. I've learned more about what he was going through at that part of his life. Later saw a better side of him. I know we're all capable of bad nights. Bad seasons. But we should also know that we are capable of inadvertently turning people away from Jesus. I'm grateful my friend and I had had enough good experiences with public Christians to not let this one dissuade us. How bad if he or I were fledgling in our faith and that man's bad night was just the discouragement we needed. Enough of that. How about some encouragement? Jesus style, your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm never dies and their fire is never quenched. I know people who claim to take the Bible literally. I look at their hands, their feet, their eyes. They have all that they were given. It's surprising. It's how it should be. I don't want people to prove their fidelity to taking the Bible literally by doing something Jesus clearly meant figuratively. I do want them, us, all of us, to take Jesus seriously. What we do with our hands and feet and eyes matters. Part of discipleship is discipline and part of being a mature disciple is self-discipline based on what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. Jesus has high standards for his followers. He called us to be salt. And that's where the encouragement comes in. Salt was as crucial in Jesus' world to him and them as electricity is in ours. It preserved life, made eating possible at times. It flavored life. It was so valuable that they paid people in salt. It is a compliment 
for Jesus to say that we are the salt of the earth, that we have salt in us, and it is his admonition that we not squander this gift that God has put in us. For everyone will be salted with fire, Jesus said. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. At peace. At peace. Jesus has just challenged his disciples to welcome in one who they thought was doing wrong. Warned them about putting a hurdle between any child and him. Told them about cutting off their hands or feet or eyes if those caused them to stumble. And said that not practicing self-discipline can lead to an unquenchable fire. And then he told them, be at peace. Was he kidding? Those disciples were shaking at what he just said to them. Maybe their shaking was that involuntary nodding that you do when truth has been delivered in such a way that you cannot not agree. Maybe in that moment, they realize that part of what it means to be at peace with oneself and at peace with God is that you're at peace with one another. And to be at at peace with God and at peace with others is part of how we become those who are at peace with ourselves. And if we're seeking peace with God, we also have to be seeking peace with others and ourselves. Be at peace with one another, Jesus said. And each of the another's agreed. Jesus commands us to be at peace with one another. And that requires prayer. Prayer.